Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, let's talk about the Justin Jackson signing that was reported. The Wolves signing Justin Jackson to a 10-day contract. Let's also talk about ESPN's quote-unquote contender tiers. Doing air quotes here pretty heavily on the YouTube uh, stream if you're watching on there. Uh, I have some thoughts about ESPN's contender tiers. We'll also talk about the... Uh, Wolves turnover rate, the issues that it has on their offense, could it come back to bite them in the playoffs? Let's talk about that on the show here today as well. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. That's linkedin.com slash NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Happy Thursday, everybody. We're only a game, a day away from the Timberwolves' first post-All-Star break game. It's been a week since we've seen the Wolves play. One more day. We're almost there. Friday, we will preview the Wolves-Bucks matchup. Of course, the big ESPN in Minnesota day. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but lots to get to today, starting with the Wolves' signing of Justin Jackson. We'll start there here in just a moment. A big thank you off the top for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, so the Timberwolves signed Justin Jackson on Wednesday. If you're wondering why, I'll give you the quick kind of, uh, I don't know, 30 seconds behind that. Um, so the, the Timberwolves, after the Monte Morris trade, because both Troy Brown Jr. and Shake Milton were traded out, the Wolves actually had an open roster spot from the start of the season. They, of course, have three two-way guys uh, in Jalen Clark, Luca Garza, and Dacia Nix, but they had one actual roster spot available, right? So they came into the year with 14 of the 15 roster spots Filled. They traded two for one, so it got down to 13. You can only have uh, 13 players on your roster and not get up to 14 for two weeks consecutively during the season, and I think there's a limit of three or four weeks total over the course of the season, but not not more than 14 days consecutively. Exactly two weeks after the Monte Morris trade, the Timberwolves signed Justin Jackson to a 10-way deal, or excuse me, 10-day deal. 10-way deal that wouldn't make any sense unless he was on like nine different G League teams. Um, They signed Justin Jackson to the 10-day deal. More about him in a second. Of course, there was the Marcus Morris senior report uh, really two weeks ago when Patrick Beverly, who of course was ex-teammates with Marcus Morris, said that Morris was heavily leaning toward or was likely to sign with or something like that with the Timberwolves. Um, Well, Marcus Morris still hasn't been bought up by the San Antonio Spurs. Why? I'm not sure. Uh, there was an issue, what, five years ago or so where Marcus Morris was supposed to sign with the Spurs They or said he was going to sign or verbaled or whatever. They held cap space. He didn't sign it, put the Spurs in a tough spot. I'm not saying that's why they haven't reached a buyout agreement yet, but who knows? Um, could be a petty disagreement. I would imagine at some point he's bought out. As long as he's bought out before March 1st, then Marcus Morris would be eligible to play in the postseason with whichever team he signs with. So there's still... 
what, as of today, a week, seven days to get this figured out. The And the Wolves do have that open roster spot. So, you know, I, I without knowing how the exact, like, down to the dollar works, I think the Wolves could keep Justin Jackson on the 10-day, sign Marcus Morris on February 29th, you know, let Justin Jackson play the last two days of his 10-day, let him go, and I think they'd be okay. for Certainly from a roster spot standpoint, they'd be fine. They'd be at exactly 15 for a day or two. But from a salary cap standpoint, you know, they don't have a whole lot of, they have like a little over a million bucks now. Uh, so all that to say, they can still make this work with Marcus Morris or, you know, insert your favorite buyout candidate or or actual buyout player uh, here. But so the Justin Jackson signing doesn't necessarily mean they won't sign Marcus Morris. It just means it hasn't, uh, we already knew it hadn't happened yet, but they weren't able to get it done in time for uh, this two-week essentially time limit where they had to sign somebody. So who's Justin Jackson? Of course, he is a former first round pick. He was drafted 15th overall by the Kings in 2017 and uh, never quite lived up to the, uh, the lottery billing uh, did, did um, Justin Jackson. He's in theory was supposed to be a three and D type guy. The, the jumper never quite developed and defensively. He was actually pretty disappointing based on, his actual physical profile, right? He's six foot eight, big wingspan, um, and just never really clicked as an NBA player. He played a bunch in Sacramento his first year and a half. He was ultimately traded to Dallas, played a little bit in their rotation for a decent team there for you know about a year. He was a, a bench guy, played 16 minutes a game in the 1920 season, and then bounced around a little bit over the last couple of years. OKC to Milwaukee in the 2021 season. In the 21-22 season, he split it between Boston and Phoenix, but he only played in seven total games. And then last year, he appeared in 23 games with the Boston Celtics. For his NBA career, over seven seasons, he's played in 278 games, 18 minutes a game, shot just 31.9, so call it 32% from three. And again, the defensive metrics are not kind for Justin Jackson. However, this season, and actually the last three years, he's played a bunch in the G League. The numbers are much better there. In fact, over the last three years in the G League, he's played, um, this is what, like 65 games or 62 games. Nope, 61 games over the last three years. And he shot just a shade under 40% from three over the last three seasons. This year, 41% for three from three for the Texas Legends. Uh, last year, he averaged 21 points per game. This year, just a shade under 20 points per game. And again, over 41% from three. Um, that's a profile of somebody that could theoretically help the Wolves. He's also uh, done a pretty good job in terms of, you know, he's he's obviously a, a, a wing, right? He's not initiating a whole lot of offense, but the assist to turnover has been good. Um, not a super high usage guy. Basically, is a catch and shoot three-point shooter who, in theory, can help you defensively because of his length. Um like he's a depth piece, right? And he's played a role like when he was in Milwaukee in 21, he technically won a ring that year. He appeared in one regular season game. And I actually think he was in a few playoff games with Milwaukee that year. I'm sure garbage time. Uh, Yeah, he played in only one regular season game, but he played in five postseason games for Milwaukee in 2021. So he clearly signed in Milwaukee, was available for the postseason as, as a depth player. Um, it's kind of like this happens in baseball all the time, right? Where somebody signs right before the roster cutoff on September 1st, just so that a team can have them potentially for the playoffs um, for, you know, a specialist type role or whatever. Like Justin Jackson's not going to be on this team come playoff time, almost certainly. 
but he gives him another body right now in terms of some depth, just in case. Uh, you know, the even the the garbage time depth was getting a little bit short for Minnesota with some of the guys being dinged up and players that were on assignment down in uh, in Iowa with the uh, the G League team. So this gives the Wolves a little bit of depth until they figure out the Marcus Morris thing or you know maybe another buyout deal which there hasn't been any reporting beyond the Patrick Beverly reporting and then some supporting stuff from Darren Wolfson. I think John Krasinski said some stuff last week about, or two weeks ago, about confirming the Wolves' interest in Marcus Morris. We talked about Marcus Morris on the basketball party last week, the Wednesday show that that we do um, on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. The audio is on this feed. In fact, the, the episode prior to this one, if you're listening in the Lockdown Wolves audio, is this week's Minnesota basketball party. But a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Marcus Morris and about how he is a really good fit in terms of a catch-and-shoot guy. He can provide some touch, some toughness um, and uh, a little bit of size in in terms of catch-and-shoot size to the Wolves' front court, um, somebody that could play some minutes if they choose to rest guys down the stretch this year, a bit of insurance for you know Nas Reed, et cetera. Um, in the event, you know, knock on wood, the Wolves have some worse injury luck in the second half of the season. So all that to say, the Marcus Morris thing could still very well happen. In fact, I'd still bet on it happening uh, just based on the flurry of, of news around it. It's just a matter of whether or not he can figure out this buyout with the Spurs. The Justin Jackson thing, Depth piece, nothing more. He's not going to obviously see rotation minutes. This is not a team that was hard up, you know, for somebody to play in the rotation. They just needed to fulfill the roster requirement of having 14 guys is all that that was. All right. Uh, Next, I want to get into this ESPN contender tiers thing, which is just perfect all-star break fodder. It's, it's, um, anyway, we'll we'll get into it. I'll I'll get my thoughts on it. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about who ESPN contender, considers to be the top tier contenders. Um, I also want to talk a little bit of some of the odds over at FanDuel, uh, which this kind of uh, this exercise or reading this article really kind of made me want to dig a bit in more into this and, and what things look like here at the All-Star break in terms of uh, teams most likely to win the uh, the finals. So we'll get into all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our title sponsors over at LinkedIn. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion, that's a billion with a B, professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals when you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and Intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and may not have the time or resources to hire. They're constantly finding ways to help make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Two and a half million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockdownNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube, and now it's also available on Amazon Fire TV and the free Fire TV channels app. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Find Lockdown Sports Today now available on the free Fire TV channels app. Okay. So on, I think it was Monday's show, we talked 
uh, Monday or Tuesday, we talked about the NBA.com power rankings, which accurately, in my opinion, have the Timberwolves number two in the NBA. John Schumann does a great job at NBA.com with his weekly power rankings. Indeed, the Timberwolves are second in net rating, which, in my opinion, should almost directly correlate with overall power rankings if you're going to partake in such an exercise. And I've said before, NBA.com is the only power rankings I will take to heart during the season uh, because so much of it is noise. But here we are. I'm being sucked in. This isn't power rankings exactly, but it's a similar exercise. It's the NBA contender tiers over at ESPN. And it's being done by Kevin Pelton, who does a fantastic job and, of course, very analytically inclined, kind of heads up the ESPN analytics, uh, NBA analytics. And um, I don't know. I, like, I'm pretty sure he's just doing these by betting odds. Uh, of course, uh, our friends at FanDuel, we'll get to them in a second here, but... I don't know. Like, I, Otherwise, I don't know why he came up with the list the way he did. So I'm going to read it off real quick. Kevin Pelton has Tier 1, the favorite. The Boston Celtics listed as the as the one favorite to win the title, which makes a ton of sense. And our friends at Fadel do have them at plus 230, which is, um, I don't know, that's still really pretty short odds, honestly. Um, for clearly the best team in the league, no question. But still fairly short odds. Uh, Pelton has tier two, the inner circle contenders. Okay, so you'd think that these might be, I don't know, the number two team, number three team in each conference. It's not. It's it's not at all. And and, and I get it. Like, also, th- again, this is based off the betting odds. This isn't Kevin Pelton running a model and saying like, hey, here's what's most likely to happen. He's going off of, off of betting odds. Okay, so... His tier two inner circle is the Denver Nuggets, the LA Clippers, and the Milwaukee Bucks. All right. Now, Denver is fourth in the West. The Clippers are third in the West. The Bucks are third in the East. They're eight and a half games behind the Celtics and two and a half games behind Cleveland for second. And yet they're the, in this inner circle contender tier. And I get it. The Bucks have been there, done that, albeit with a, you know, two coaches ago at this point. The Clippers are the Clippers. They have a coach who's been there, done that, albeit not with the Clippers, but they've got, you know, guys like Kawhi who have won a title. I, you know, fine. The Nuggets obviously were there and did it last year. So I understand why Vegas believes and Vegas can bet on people betting on them being the favorites. But all the way down in tier three is the hopefuls. You'll find the number one team in the Western Conference, the Minnesota Timberwolves who are number two in net rating in the entire league in Tier 3, at plus 2,500, excuse me, plus 2,300 with our friends at FanDuel. In the same tier as the Cleveland Cavs, who are second in the East, they're at plus 2,500. The New York Knicks, who, like, they're 10 games back in the East. Net rating-wise, they're, like, I don't know, seventh or something. But the Knicks are in this tier at plus 2,100, which, I'm sorry, like, let me get back to this. It, this is the most absurd thing about it. The Thunder are in there at plus 2,500, so just slightly longer odds than Minnesota. The Sixers are in that tier at plus 3,000, which that's all obviously about Joel Embiid's injury. And then the Phoenix Suns are in that tier as well. And they're just plus 1,400 on FanDuel. So the Wolves are behind four teams. The Celtics, obviously. Then the Nuggets, Clippers, Bucks, And they're in the same tier as the Cavs, Knicks, Thunder, Sixers, and Suns. 
I'm not going to get into the long shots, but it's got the Mavs, Warriors, Lakers, Heat, Pelicans. Uh, I I don't know why the Lakers are their odds are as short as they are, plus five thousand, which is still crazy, but like it's too low for the Lakers to to win the title. So here's the thing. I get the track record stuff, and basically Pelton goes into this in his article. Um, He calls them the hopefuls. He talks about, well, I'll just read a chunk of it. He says, this tier is largely represented by newcomers to the contender ranks. The season ended today. Four of the eight teams to host opening round playoff series would have combined for one series win since the 2018 season, and that was last year's Knicks. By contrast of the four teams above the hopefuls in the tiers, everyone but the Clippers has won eight series in that span all by itself. Now, that's true. But we can talk all day if we wanted to about the Celtics' postseason shortcomings. We could talk about the Clippers' postseason shortcomings. We could talk about the Bucks of this year and last year and the shortcomings. I don't know. I, putting the Clippers and Bucks as far ahead of the Wolves as they are seems really bonkers to me. The Clippers are plus 500 on FanDuel. The Bucks are plus 650. The Wolves are almost four times that and more than four times the Clippers' odds. The Wolves are plus 2,300. I, again, I get it, and I get I get why Vegas says okay, and why FanDuel, you know, there's people that will bet on this because of you know the, the the public money for the LA team. Which speaking of public money, let's talk about the Knicks. The Knicks have better odds than the Timberwolves to win the, the NBA Finals right now, which is the craziest thing. We could talk net rating, we could talk common opponents or or, or record against the best teams in the league. We could talk standings. The Knicks are 10 back in the East and only a half game up on the on the, on the uh, 76ers for the four seed. The Knicks are a loss away from falling out of home court advantage in the East and needing to face the Sixers or Bucks most likely in the first round of the playoffs. And I get that the West is tougher than the East, and, and that that's baked in here a bit too. I mean, if you look at, well, I don't know. I guess actually if you look at the Vegas odds, the, first, the top nine teams, I think five are from the West and four are from the East. So maybe it's not really all that baked in. But for anyone that's taking Nux, Nux, the Knicks plus twenty one hundred over the Wolves at plus twenty three hundred, like what are you what are you doing? The Knicks aren't going to get past the Celtics. That's less likely than the Wolves getting past the teams they're already ahead of in the standings, like the Clippers and the Nuggets and the Suns, who everybody wants to pick. It's just it's just nuts. I, like I I don't know. Um, but anyway, back to Pelton. Again, he's just going off of these betting odds. He's not doing any real projections here. At this point, depending on where you look, the Wolves have basically a 60, 65-ish percent chance to lock down the number one seed in the West, mostly at this point because they've got the advantage, albeit just by a game and a half over OKC. But there is no tiebreaker there. They're tied with OKC. They've already beaten the Clippers twice. So worst case, that's a wash, right? They're not going to lose that tiebreaker. They're up one nothing on Denver. Um. They've beaten a bunch of good teams already, and they already have the majority of the road games in the books. Like they like uh they've got seven more home games than road games in the second half or the post all star break schedule. So uh there's a really good chance the Wolves get the number one seed in the West. And there's obviously then a very good chance they get past the first round. Whereas like the Nuggets, if they finish fourth. They're going to have to face the Suns or a healthy Zion and the Pelicans or a healthy Luka and the Mavs. Or, you know, same thing with the Clippers, right? Like, 
I don't know. It seems pretty crazy to me. And and I'm not saying the Wolves should be the favorites. The Celtics should be. And I understand putting the Nuggets and the Clippers in the same conversation as the Wolves. But for there to be that big of a disparity of the Wolves being plus 2,300, the Bucks at plus 650, the Clippers at plus 500, and the Nuggets at plus 440 seems really, really crazy to me. Okay. I want to close by talking a little bit about the Wolves offense and uh, some context of turnover-prone teams over the last couple of years in the playoffs. We'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. Again, $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins. You can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. And I just spent a good chunk of the last segment talking about these odds on FanDuel. Again, plus 2,300 for the Wolves. In terms of longer shots, the Thunder at plus 2,500 might actually be you know just as good of a bet. The Sixers at plus 3,000, hoping that Embiid gets healthy. That's not a bad bet. I would take the Mavs at plus 3,600 before the Knicks at plus 2,100. Honestly, like I get Jalen Brunson's good, but Luka Doncic is better and... I don't know, like the Knicks may be a better pound for pound team, but I think given, again, the disparity in the odds, plus 2,100 for the Knicks, plus 3,600 for the Mavs, the Mavs are actually a better bet. I like the Pelicans at plus 5,500, but the Wolves at plus 2,300 to me is still a crazy bet. Again, you can bet on all your favorite NBA players and your favorite teams like the Wolves at plus 2,300 to win the finals. Over at FanDuel, quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. All right, uh, so the Timberwolves have turnover issues. I know that's not breaking news. It's been a problem all season, consistently for Minnesota. And it's been kind of the, I don't know, like if you if you ask people like, hey, what's the, what's the major, what's the main issue with the Wolves? You know, most people say well, it's the offensive turnovers, and actually, we did an extra uh, a version of this exercise on the Minnesota basketball party on Wednesday, where Sam asked the panelists. He asked us, "What's the one thing you're that the Wolves need to do in the second half of the season, or the post All Star break schedule, or, or however he phrased it?" And mine was shoot more threes. Like, just simply, the volume needs to increase. They're third of the league in percentage. Uh, the volume has increased since mid January, and they've been a top twelve offense since February first when the three-point shooting has been kind of that 14th, 15th, 16th in the league in terms of rate, if that volume goes up, this offense gets better, the offense gets better, the team wins. The other thing, and and Jack talked a little bit about the Wolves, uh, about Anthony Edwards' playmaking specifically, which is a great take also. But their one weakness has been turnover rate. And if you look at like the top, I don't know, top five teams in the league, and I'm going to do this by net rating, Boston, Minnesota, OKC, the Clippers, and the Cavs, there aren't very many instances of these teams being bottom five in anything, right? So Boston's defense doesn't turn teams over, but that doesn't really matter. That's maybe the least important of the quote-unquote four factors um, would be defensive turnover rate. And, you know, the only other, like, glaring wart that any of these teams has is OKC's rebounding, which is a major issue on both ends of the floor. They're 28th. In offensive rebound rate, they're they're 29th in defensive rebound rate, according to Cleaning the Glass. The Timberwolves' turnover issues on offense are the only thing that's close in terms of, you know, the best teams having the biggest issues. 
They're 28th in turnover rate. And they're only a half percentage point behind the two teams tied for 30th, which is Utah and Detroit. Of course, two not good teams, especially in the case of Detroit. The fact that the Wolves turned the ball over at almost the same rate as the Detroit Pistons is is pretty horrific, actually. Um, however, that's really the only like, yeah, but about the Timberwolves offense, besides the volume of three-point shots. The playmaking's improved overall. The shooting percentage is good. The shot profile's good. We talked about this earlier in the week on the show. The Wolves shoot the right shots by and large, a few too many long twos. But for the most part, they're shooting within 10 feet quite a bit. They're shooting a lot of corner threes. They shoot the percentage of threes is good. They just need to shoot a little more, or I should say that the percentage on threes, their actual three-point shooting percentage is very good. A few more above the break threes can get mixed in from Conley, from Alexander Walker, especially from Carl Anthony Towns. And we've seen that over the last few weeks. But turnover rate is a major problem. I'm not here to tell you it's not a problem because it is. So I want to get that out of the way. But I think it's notable that if you look at the last two NBA champions, turnover rate has not been a problem for them. Last year's NBA champions, the Denver Nuggets, were 24th in turnover rate. Uh, I'm looking at basketball reference, so I'm going to quick pull up the cleaning the glass. So we're, we're talking apples to apples here. Um, again, the real quick spiel here is is uh, cleaning the glass takes out garbage time, which is nice. So according to, to uh, cleaning the glass, they're 20th in turnover rate. According to basketball reference, they're 24th last year. Um, so they were bottom 10, no matter how you slice it, in terms of turnover rate on offense. Similarly to the Wolves, they were you know first in effective field goal percentage. They did everything else really well. They got to the line actually not all that often, but um, their offense was predicated on Joker passing the ball, which is also why the turnover rate was a little bit high because Joker has always been a bit turnover prone. That's just the way he plays, high risk, high reward when it comes to his passing. But go back two seasons, the 2021-2022 Golden State Warriors, who were a bit of a surprise title winner. We talked about this on Wednesday's show about their offense ranked, uh, what, like 18th, I think it was. Well, actually, I've got it right here. Uh, their offense ranked 17th in the regular season that year. Then they went on to win the title. They were 29th in turnover rate. Second to last. They turned it over on 15.2% of their possessions in the regular season. They went on to win the title that year. 15.2%. You want to know what the Wolves is right now? 15.1%. So a nearly identical turnover rate to the NBA champions two years ago. Not saying it's okay, but I'm saying it can be done. There is precedent for a team that's turnover prone to win a title very, very recently. Okay. And last year, by the way, Denver was 20th. Their turnover rate was 14.5%. So lower by a half percentage point, but not significantly lower. So recent history tells us, and of course the Warriors have pretty much throughout their dynasty been fairly turnover prone with mostly because of the pace they play at. The Wolves don't play at an extremely high pace, which is Partly what makes this so frustrating is these are silly half-court turnovers. It's not trying to be the Globetrotters and get out in transition and shoot threes, and it's not Jokic passes. It's just being sloppy and unforced errors, which also, like, well, it's maddening. It's It also gives hope that this thing can be fixed, right? Like, they could snap out of it at some point. I mean, it, it really feels like that should be the case. And even go back three years, like go to the 21-22 season, Golden State and Miami each won 53 regular season games. And they were 29th and 28th, respectively, in turnover rate. Again, that year, Golden State was 15.2% uh, turnover rate. 
And in that same year, Miami, 28th in turnover rate, 14.9%. So, uh, yeah, there's precedent. Go back the year prior to that. The Lakers weren't a juggernaut, exactly. They didn't have a great offense. They won 42 games. They had a 28th-ranked turnover rate. So there's absolutely precedent precedent for teams with high turnover rates to make the playoffs and have success in the playoffs, especially in the case of Denver last year and Golden State being the best example two years ago. It is a problem. It is improving. If the volume of three-point attempts goes up and the turnovers go down just a little bit, we could be looking at an offense that's, you know, currently they're they're 15th. We're not talking about a bottom 10 offense anymore. You go over to cleaning the glass, they are 15th in offense. And number one, easily in defense. You're going to see that offense continue to tick upward. They're only 0.4 points per 100 possessions behind Sacramento. They're only one point behind 13th. Like, they're coming. It's it's inching up the, the, uh, the rankings. They're going to be top 12, I think, by the time we get to April 1st. If this, if this team can continue that upward trajectory uh, with the overall offense. All right, that's all we have for you today here on the show. Friday, we'll get into a couple other um, kind of bigger picture type things before we preview the Bucks game. We'll try and get our hands on a uh, an injury report here heading into Wolves-Bucks. We'll also talk about Friday uh, during the day. ESPN's on location in Minneapolis. Going to do a bunch of extra stuff, I believe, first take. Maybe NBA Today. Um, like various shows will be uh, hosted in Minnesota on location before the Wolves-Bucks game at 9 p.m. Central Friday night. So be sure to tune into all that on Friday. We'll talk about all of it on Friday's show as well. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Age you can follow on X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.